getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him, you love him, as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we can talk about that snooze fest, and we will, from uh, Saturday night in Los Angeles, but I woke up, seriously, Sunday morning, like, slightly depressed because Andrew Luck retired. Like, I couldn't give two flying you-know-whats about the Indianapolis Colts. But there was something like, you know, it's within the scope of, of football, but tragedy. It was like a tragedy struck the NFL because this is a league that without Andrew Luck is a lesser league. You know, yep. and, and it'll move on without him and life goes on. But, man, did you see that coming? I did not. And, you know, I've been following his little phantom mysterious injury all offseason, and I didn't think it would be something to this nature and to this extent. And everything I'm seeing on Twitter from Colts beat writers, it, it happened fairly recently. It happened fairly quickly. He had a, a change of heart, and he's still only 29. And when I saw the news come out, Chad, it was like Barry Sanders of this generation. I was a little too young still uh, when Barry Sanders walked away, but now as, as a full-grown adult, to have uh, a future Hall of Fame quarterback potentially just walk away in the prime of his career, I was blindsided. It's a terrible loss for the game. It's a terrible loss for the Colts fans, obviously. And, um, you know, Jacoby Brissett does not inspire that same confidence. I, I liked Andrew Luck as a player a lot, but he was in pain, and he suffered a lot, and he's doing what's right for his, his future and his family. He made a lot of money. He made a lot of plays, and uh, I respect him for holding true to his guns and, and, and making this decision. It was not easy. And he held true with it. Yeah, listening to the trio of Jim Irsay, Chris Ballard, and Frank Reich at the at their respective podium on Saturday, trying to kind of parse through the timeline and how they helped or how they came to this conclusion. You know, it wasn't like they were trying to persuade Luck to retire by any means. They were trying to be supportive while in their own way, you know, still trying to subtly urge him to fight through this and continue on because – I mean, he is that franchise. They can sit here and talk about how great of a leader Jacoby Brissett is and that, you know, they're excited and stoked about their team, and they do have a significantly improved team. I mean, Chris Ballard has made some strides over the failed Ryan Grigson, no doubt about it, but 
This is not a contender without Andrew Luck. Until proven otherwise, I mean, we've seen Jacoby Brissett before when Luck's been banged up in years past since he was traded there from from New England. And, you know, they're just not the same team without Andrew Luck. And Luck is one of the truly elite quarterbacks in the NFL today. And it just sucks, dude. He's a goofy guy and all that, but, like, you know, he's the guy that would take a shot, and then before he's even up and off the grass, he's he's congratulating his opponent on, hey, nice shot, buddy. Hey, ooh, big hit, mm-hmm. big guy. Yep. You know, like, that joy, that that utter just straight-up joy for the game and, and the pleasure of playing football, you know, that was the type of thing that while he was playing, you envisioned that as being part of some Hall of Fame story. You know, just, but alas, he's not going to make that. He's not going to be there. He's 29 years old. He's he's really played in five NFL seasons since entering the league as the number one overall pick in 2012. Been to four Pro Bowls and he's been banged up to, I mean, unbelievably banged up, especially the last four or five years. So he's definitely not going to go uh, into the Hall of Fame, Zach, unless who knows a year from now maybe he uh, unretires, a la Brett Favre. No, he's he's not a Hall of Famer now, but his career had that trajectory, Chad. And if he played consistently and if he just stayed healthy, if the injury bug stayed away, um, I believe he would have been in Canton. It's just it's it's crazy when you think about the Colts went from having a top 10 quarterback situation, maybe even you could say top five, top eight to being in the bottom three now with Brissett. In the blink of an eye. And and the Broncos experienced that when Manning retired. Then you had Trevor Simeon as a starter. Football is crazy. The sport is crazy. Things change. Uh, but for one, I did not see this one coming. It's it's really unfortunate. But I do give Luck a lot of credit for sticking to his guns. We'll see whether or not the Broncos end up being the dark horse that everyone's hoping that they, they can be this year and, and shake up the power structure in the AFC. But aside from Patrick Mahomes, who no one in Denver wants to see succeed if the Broncos come up short, like it was Luck and the Colts that were the only other viable check to the dominance of the New England Patriots once again. And uh, who knows? Again, maybe the Broncos can be that team. You know, we've seen Joe Flacco beat the New England Patriots. We've seen Joe Flacco beat the Patriots in their own house in the playoffs. So if everything comes together for the Broncos, you know, that's great. But losing Andrew Luck as a part of the AFC, you know, big big picture, just gives Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs unfettered access to another AFC championship game, which probably, let's face it, is going to be against the the Patriots either at Arrowhead or Gillette. Yeah, you're right, Chad. It's it's true that they've not really a contender anymore in Indianapolis, and you take away that franchise quarterback, and they're left with you know a, a middling roster, uh, not a great group of skill players, an overwhelmingly great group, not a, a great defense, a uh, good offensive line, but Bursette is just not the same passer. He's not the same talent as, as Andrew Luck, who is a once in a generation type prospect. Uh, yeah, you could easily say as of now it's going to be Chiefs and the Patriots running through the AFC, and uh, you know what can you do? You have to knock them off the throne and. All we can hope for is Denver rises to the challenge. Well, we're going to dive in. we got to react, of course, to what we witnessed in L.A. with your Denver Broncos in the fourth preseason game. But first, a couple of quick matters of business, you guys, especially for our new listeners. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's how you stay up to date. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. That's where our announcements come. That's where you can get in on mailbags. The whole nine yards. Also, if you are on YouTube, excuse me. Also, if you are on YouTube, keep doing what you guys are doing. Like, comment, share these videos out, these podcast episodes. But still, I I tell the about 30 or so percent of people who are listening to this podcast every single day on YouTube, 
that aren't subscribing, click the subscribe button. Help us out, okay? And if you're on iTunes, we have something cooking for you guys. For the month of August, we've got a few entries on uh, on Apple Podcasts for reviews. We're giving away some swag. It'll be September 1st. We'll announce the winner. For uh, a randomly chosen, we're not going to do it based on the, the review we like the best. It's going to be a randomly chosen name who has uh, entered a review on the Huddle Up podcast on Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't done that, check it out. Enter a, a review for us. Give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. And then you could get some Mile High Huddle slash Huddle Up Podcast swag sent to you September 1st. Fantasy football fans, you got to listen up. Do you want to join the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever? Of course you do. If you love fantasy football, and we know you do, then you need to enter the $3.5 million best ball championship on draft. That's right. $3.5 million in real money. It is absolutely enormous. It's huge. It's season long, but there's no management. You just set it, you forget it. So instead of agonizing over your lineup every single Sunday, Draft does the analysis for you, gives you the most efficient, best odds to win your matchup lineup week in and week out. You do a draft, 16 weeks later, you could be a millionaire. Literally, it does not get any easier than that. It's the highest rated fantasy app and it's available on the App Store and Google Play or you can just go online to draft.com. For a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code HUDDLE. That's right, a free shot at a million dollars just by using our promo code HUDDLE when you make your first deposit on Draft. Also, a phenomenal way to support the Huddle Up podcast. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com and come play free with promo code HUDDLE. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, let's dive in here. So the Denver Broncos, they're looking for some kind of clarity on the backup quarterback position. And obviously, you know, it's a short-term position because it's going to go to Drew Locke once he heals up from that uh, sprained thumb. 
And right now you got to put Kevin Hogan as the leaderboard, <clears throat> even going into that Rams game. Kevin Hogan was, was on the leaderboard for that job. And, you know, when Brett Rippon first took the field at the bottom of the second quarter to run that two-minute drill, it looked like he was going to have some juice and maybe bring something to the table that Hogan had, you know, heretofore been unable to do. Started out hot with five complete uh, five completions in a row, but then it went all downhill from there for, for Brett Rippon. What was your thoughts first, though, on what you saw from Kevin Hogan on Saturday night? Well, what I saw from Kevin Hogan was the same thing I saw the last three games, Chad. He's just an uninspiring passer. He doesn't do anything overly good. He's, he kind of just flails around in the pocket. He misses some open reads. He, he's just not a, a very gifted quarterback. I'm not putting him down personally, but he's just not my cup of tea in the NFL. When uh, it, Rippon came into the game, the offense seemed to move the ball a little better. But quickly, that inexperience and that lack of activity of playing and getting those live reps, you saw it in his face. You saw him grow up in a sense. You saw him take some lumps. But that's going to happen. I was just satisfied that he got some playing time. Finally, Brett Rippon, that the coaching staff is doing the best thing for the future and not wasting more time on Kevin Hogan even after two more quarters. I did think it was kind of odd, though, that they put Rippon in at the very end of the first half. They threw him into like a no-huddle, two-minute drill situation, and he handled himself pretty well. You mentioned the completions. The offense seemed to have a little more uh, juice with him than in Kevin Hogan, but it's negligible. These passers don't have the same arm talent as Joe Flacco and even Drew Locke. So you go from having those two passers not playing to having these talents in the game. It's a huge drop-off. I mean, look at it like this. Here's, And I'm sure part of it is the design aspect, you know, but let me, let me show you a comparison here. So the Denver Broncos quarterbacks – attempted Rippon and Hogan a total of 35 passes and they had 149 pass yards uh, that doesn't count sacks okay between the two of them Brandon Allen and Wolford of on the other side of the the field for the Rams let's see they did uh, 32 or 31 total attempts and had golly they had uh, 220 passing yards I mean, they blew – it's not a lot, granted, right, in four quarters of football. But for backups, it just goes to show you that, you know, and Allen's numbers were inflated because of that 51-yard completion on L.A.'s first possession. But you could see the Rams trying to push the ball a little bit and trying to make a play. When Hogan was in the game, that component to the Broncos' offense, because there's always an opportunity on every pass play for a deep ball, you know, unless you're just calling four curls or whatever, you know. Most plays are designed to have that one outlet – um, that, that gives the quarterback, depending on how the coverage is and how it shakes out, an opportunity to take a shot. Hogan is yet to really take one of those. Rippon, you know, he had two opportunities. One, well, more than, more than two opportunities, but he took two shots. And that's one thing I liked compared to Hogan is Rippon was trying to push the ball down the field. You know, he was showing a little bit more of a spark in that realm. On his first possession at the end of that second quarter, he took a shot at Juwan uh, Winfrey, who was wide open, by the way. That should have been a touchdown. But he overthrew him, didn't even give him a chance to get the ball. And then in the third quarter, there was that deep shot, I think it was to Fred Brown, that he overshot, he overthrew. Mm -hmm. And we just haven't even seen Hogan take a chance. It's like he's playing not to lose, and he's missing wide-open players, you know, wide-open receivers, which not in terms of accuracy, like throwing wide. We've seen accuracy issues from him this summer. But, I mean, in the game in the Rams, like he was missing in his reads wide-open players, which tells me he's not seeing the field. And that is the implications of that for a player that's four years into his NFL career. I mean, they, it's, it, it tells you everything you need to know. That's why the upside factor, Rippon has it by leaps and bounds at this point. Like Hogan, 
butted up against his ceiling as a pro about a year and a half ago, and he just hasn't been able to break through it. And so there's some options. There's there's some opportunity for a higher ceiling with Rippon. I think he even showed that as inconsistent as he was Saturday night, Zach. Rippon showed that he has some upside potential there. However, if the Broncos are looking at this from a perspective of, you know, we need the the surest fail safe in case someone's pressed into action in that first quarter of the season, something happens to Flacco. The quarterback that that can not screw it up, you know, I, they're probably going to talk themselves into Kevin Hogan. Brett Rippon, you know, he showed some rookie uh, bad decision-making at times on Saturday night through that pick, through a couple of ill-advised throws, ran into some pressures a couple times. But the, things we have, the, the thing we have to remember, Zach, is he's been the fourth quarterback on the depth chart all summer long. That means he's getting cleanup reps, okay? He's, he's been little more than a glorified camp arm up to this point. So, of course, we're going to see him not look quite as polished. But Saturday night did, for me, was a little bit of a reality check. I have to admit, I got a little bit out over my skis in terms of ripping. You know, you guys heard me on the podcast talk about it a couple times. That You know, there's the distinct possibility that today he is a better option as a backup than Kevin Hogan for the Denver Broncos. And while I'm not saying that's, that's untrue, necessarily... I have to pump the brakes a little bit on Rippon being the the surefire better option today to be a failsafe backup than Kevin Hogan. Chad, all the things you laid about out about Kevin Hogan, that's why he's a journeyman. That's why the Browns dumped him. That's why the Redskins dumped him. I mean, two quarterback desperate teams for years got rid of him. What does that say? And he, like you said, maxed out his potential. We know what we have in Kevin Hogan. We do not know yet what we have in Brett Rippon. So those reps should go to him. And all the mistakes that he was making, like I mentioned before, were a byproduct of not seeing the field much all preseason, being hidden in training camp, and losing those reps to someone in Kevin Hogan who's probably going to be cut once Drew Locke is healthy. At least I I should hope so. We also have to factor in that Rippon and and Kevin Hogan both, they were, and especially Rippon though, they work with terrible offensive lines. So not only did he have... Uh, the, the processing of the game and having those jitters and having that that big time experience and that opportunity, he was working behind an offensive line that was constantly getting him hit. And to his credit, Chad, he was limping around a few times, ripping. He was beat up. He took a beating in that game, and he still kept on and and uh, and, and tried and, and you know tried to lead the Broncos back in in that game. It didn't work out. But I still want to see way more of him, even though he overthrew Fred Brown, which should have been a touchdown. That's the throw he has to make. And I was surprised someone like Rippon can actually overthrow him. But once he gets that down, we're like you said, we're already seeing the elements to his game. We're already seeing that he has the smarts and the headiness to take those shots downfield, whereas Hogan plays East and West football. It's not inspiring, even as a backup. I want to see the Broncos groom their backup quarterback of the future, and that's not Kevin Hogan. That's Brett Rippon. So I hope he is the last quarterback we see Rippon until Oakland. Yeah. Getting Kevin Hogan out there, regardless of uh, the position, the quarter, the game, it's just wasted opportunity. And now you can't risk him at all because of injury. But what we've seen is what we're going to see. And you can't say the same thing about Rippon, though. He's going to grow and he's going to uh, ascend and he's going to develop. But I think Hogan already maxed that out. So they're just wasting their time dragging this process out. But if those conversations, just to play devil's advocate, because you and I pretty much share a brain on this, but just to play devil's advocate, the conversations that are going to be taking place in those rooms at Dove Valley are going to be about mitigating risk while also balancing what's best for this franchise long term. Right. So Absolutely. What, what it really comes down to for them is what takes priority, mitigating risk, meaning the the, the guy that they could probably count on the most to fill in if something goes sideways with Flacco in the first quarter of the season? Or 
is the upside long-term potential and what's best for the team in the grand scheme of things going to take precedence? From what we've seen, you know, I think in recent history, we from John Elway's decision-making, we'll see how much uh, Vic Fangio can alter this equation, but what we've seen mostly from Elway is protecting the asset today, not so much looking in the future. The only thing from the quarterback position that really runs counter to that was what Elway chose to do in 2015, not risking Trevor Simeon to the waiver wire, carrying him as a, as a seventh-round rookie on the 53 behind Peyton Manning and Brock Osweiler, despite there really ever never being a, a reason for him to be on the roster because he didn't want to risk him. He saw long-term potential possibly as a backup, and he eventually became a starter, of course, in Denver. But at the time, he was envisioned as uh, perhaps a, a long-term viable backup to who was going to be the next guy, Brock Osweiler. And so if, he, if they take a similar mindset this year, the only thing that throws a wrench into that same equation of just you know taking what happened in 2015 and doing it again in 2019 is the Brock Osweiler in that 2015 equation is injured in this equation. Drew Locke is hurt. So now they have to factor in other things like, you know, if, if this thing goes off the rails, Joe Flacco goes down in the second quarter of week one or week two or week three and Locke's still nursing that thumb, which quarterback do we feel like can at least mitigate risk and not give a game away? No, you're right. And and Elway will and should protect and do what's in the best interest of the team. And 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 Locke's injury just complicated things, though. It's unfortunate because you had your top three pretty much set. You had your veteran, uh, stable presence in Joe Flacco, who you're all in on. You have your second round gunslinging rookie who you, uh, you know, you moved up for and you're excited about. And then you have your developmental guy, your 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 long-term upside backup, your Chase Daniel, so to speak, your Trevor Simeon and Brett Ripon. That's a really good setup and a huge upgrade on what we've seen. But Locke's injury just complicates matters. And how do you form the 53? Do you put Locke on IR after final cuts are announced? Do you carry three? Do you carry two? If they just, you know, if they had it their way, if they had their druthers of all stars aligned, you would have your top three and Kevin Hogan would not be on the roster. So it does complicate things, and unfortunately, Locke's injury will probably mean that Hogan makes the 53 at least for half the season. But I'm just saying that any opportunity that they give him over Brett, Brett Rippon right now or Drew Locke when he was healthy is just wasted. It's just hindering the future, and it's not doing anything to help the team in the long run. Here's one last thing I want to say regarding why I think ultimately they're going to go with Hogan over Rippon is because, you know, before this game, I'm, uh, I was thinking to myself, and we talked about on the podcast that – you know, the Broncos are, have been sandbagging Rip and not wanting to expose him to the NFL film and trying in that vein to, to sneak him onto the practice squad, put him on waivers at the final cutdowns and then re-sign him to the practice squad, and that they don't want to risk him. Well, he didn't do anything on Saturday night that is really going to jeopardize the Broncos waving him and getting him on the practice squad, you know. I mean, he, he just didn't do enough for any team I don't think out there to be like, oh, crap, we got to – because if you claim a player on waivers, you got to put him on the 53 so I don't think there was anything he showed Saturday night and in that you know half of a fourth quarter he played in the Hall of Fame game up to this point. Now, we still got one more game to go, so this equation can be altered. I just don't think he's shown enough that one of the other 31 teams out there is going to go, ooh, yeah, they just put Rippon on the wire? Yeah, let's claim him, put him on the 53. Could be wrong. You know, all it takes is one team to fall in love or like a guy to, to make that a reality, but... That's why my gut today, like if I had to make a bold prediction, not a bold prediction, but a prediction on what the Broncos end up doing, I don't think they're going to put Drew Locke on, on injured reserve because they don't want 
they don't want the the lack of flexibility in terms of they don't get him back for eight full weeks. Like there's no getting around that. Plus, there's the limitations in terms of how much he can participate with team meetings and out on the field and all that stuff when you're on injured reserve. And I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're just going to keep him on the 53. They're going to waive Brett Rippon. They're probably going to resign him to the practice squad. Not probably. They will. And they're going to roll with the healthy Joe Flacco and a healthy Kevin Hogan for the first quarter of this season. Chad, I'm right there with you. And, you know, my brain tells me one thing, my heart tells another. I, I want to see more Rippon, but not only did he not do enough last night to, um, you know, make his case to have to be on the roster, he also didn't do enough to unseat Hogan. That was his opportunity right then. If he had a three-touchdown game, then you could make the conversation. But obviously the Broncos decision-makers, they have some sort of confidence in Hogan, and they lean on his experience behind Joe Flacco. And you know what? Rightfully so. You have two other rookie quarterbacks, and one of them is injured right now. It sucks, but that's part of the game, and you got to roll with it. I am full agreement with you, though, Chad, on what they're going to do. Um, I just say if they cut Brett Ripon, though, there's no guarantee, let's say. It's not 100% that another team wouldn't swoop in there, just like Kyle Sloter, and, and try to pluck Ripon away. All right. Well, there's still some other elements to this game we got to break down. Who jumped out to us and any other takeaways from the fourth preseason game? We're going to get to that here in just a second. First, a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Zach, let's touch on what else jumped out to us on Saturday night. It was another snooze fest. I mean, I keep telling fans, you know, don't get so worried about this offense. You know, Rich Gangarello, he's, he's you know, you can't make any overarching uh, conclusions on what this offense is going to look like under Rich Gangarello based on how a Kevin Hogan or based on how a Brett Rippon is operating this thing. You know, like, and even Joe Flacco, because they're not game planning for their opponent. They're going out there. They're calling plays. You talk a lot about it, Zach, that, you know, they're not trying to show their hand in terms of putting anything real on film that could give an Mm -hmm. opponent an advantage in the regular season. So it's the epitome of vanilla. We can't draw any overarching conclusions. But, man, how many touchdowns has this team scored in four preseason games? Two, I think. Am I wrong? Because there was the Juwan Winfrey touchdown in the opener that won the game. Oh, no, three. There was Kalfani Muhammad scored in that game as well. And then Drew Locke's touchdown to Devontae Jackson. So, unless I'm wrong, this team has only scored three touchdowns under Rich Gangarello through four full preseason games. Does that concern you? I never really thought of it that way, and I think you're right. And it's, it's, it's kind of, um, not, I wouldn't say alarming, but it, it jumps out to you. And that game last night, Chad, was difficult to watch. And it's difficult to talk about the next day. And it's difficult to go back in the film and rewatch. I still would not press the panic button on the offense just yet based on what we've seen from the starters and Flacco and, and the skill positions and not even the full offensive line yet. Not even this full team has debuted yet. There's encouraging signs. So I'm not pressing the panic button, but you still want to see more offensive consistency and success, especially in the red zone. And even Flacco failed there. So we have to hope that they get the kinks hired out and start to get in the, in the ball in the end zone because they're going to be in for some shootouts this season and they can't just rely solely on their defense again. That's what tricked them up the last couple of years. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, we I think ultimately I got to we got to put a pin in this whole thing with the offense because we just have to wait till we see how Rich Gangarello actually crafts a game plan, how the first teamers execute that game plan against real outside competition that are also game planning for them and just give it some time. It's it's not the greatest start in terms of getting everyone excited about what Rich Gangarello brings, but that's just from watching terrible football by fair to middling quarterbacks up to this point for the most part in the preseason going against you know with third fourth second third and fourth team players going against the same level of competition we got to wait we got to pump the brakes because you know if you listen to what the players are saying about rich gangarello i mean they are geeked up they have nothing but good to say about rich gangarello from a teaching perspective from a design perspective x's and o's so i think it's just at this point we got to wait now who jumped out to you from a whether on the offense or defensive side of the ball as you know stud stud level performances against the Rams? I mean, no one really on offense. I wouldn't say it was a stud. Muhammad had that nice spin move, but my standouts were mostly on defense. The few that they were. Uh, Justin Hollins, an inside linebacker who played some edge last night too. He led the team with eight tackles. He had a big stop on the fourth and one uh, against the Rams. He he played all 69 defensive snaps, according to Mike List. And that's uh, a phenomenal step in the right direction for Hollins, who's kind of struggled at, at the off-ball position. But he was just reading and reacting last night, Chad. He was exploding to the ball carrier. He was wrapping up. He played with instinct and he played with aggression. And uh, he was definitely, I think, a top two standout. Another guy on the defensive side was Mike Purcell, the defensive lineman, who looked a lot like Domata Pecco out there with the hair, and he was penetrating in the backfield. I think based on last night, he has a legit opportunity to leapfrog Zach Kerr as the main rotational defensive lineman for this team. Based on just what we've seen in play and based on the way he's progressed in the system under Fangio, I think he's taken more of a leap than Kerr, and I think he offers more than Kerr. Uh, a little bit of a pass rusher, too, not just a pure run stopper. Yeah. That was that tells you a lot what the coaches how the coaches view Justin Hollins that he literally played all 69 snaps and I don't think it's because you know for example they they they're preserving all the players that they think they're going to count on you know in the regular season none of those guys really saw any snaps with a few exceptions like Will Parks and probably Sua Cravens and Alexander Johnson but I think in the case of Justin Hollins those 69 reps and playing 100% of defensive snaps the more appropriate way to interpret that is not that let's just throw him to the meat grinder because he's not going to be a factor in the regular season, but rather let's get him as many quality live bullet reps as we possibly can. He's still learning two new positions and see whether he sinks or swims. And in this game, this is the first time I could really say that he swam. You know, he yep. he got it done. And as you said, he made that great play on fourth down to, uh, you know, turn the ball over basically to the Broncos. He... You know, as an off-ball linebacker, he's shown me more, honestly, as, as much as he struggled throughout the preseason. He's shown me more, and I think he showed more last night, Saturday night, as an off-ball backer than he did as an outside linebacker. And even Vic Fangio, after the game, said, you know, when he was asked about pass rush, he said, you know, during the game, on, you know, as I'm on the sideline, I haven't watched the film, obviously, but during the game, it really didn't feel like we were doing much to pressure the quarterback. So... And I think that's true about Hollins. Like when he did play edge and his he was tasked with rushing the passer, you just didn't see anything. There was no Malik Reed action on Saturday night. So the Broncos, from a pressure perspective, with the few exceptions of interior guys like Mike Purcell, a couple of times from Draymond Jones and Demarcus Walker, there was just zero pressure on those Rams quarterbacks, which is why 
you know, when you look at the box score from an efficiency perspective, it appears the Rams throwers were way better than the Broncos. And they were, you know, let's face it. But there was one of the reasons why is they just weren't getting any pressure on them. That's a good shout on Walker, though, who continues to make plays in this defense chat. He's kind of, you know, proving us correct, and we've stood by him. And I think he's going to be an integral part of this defense, at least as a reserve player. But I'm right there with you on Hollins, too. <clears throat> I'm right there with you on Hollins, too. I, he struggled mightily, I would say, the first three games at off ball. And he really grew up last night. It was like watching a different player. I don't know if it was the competition or, or what kicked in, but um, I was of the opinion he should have stayed primarily at OLB. But after last night, I think he has a shot now to unseat Alexander Johnson, who performed better than him the last couple games. But he really stood out to me. He really jumped out, Hollins, and he has a case now to be perhaps the top reserve inside linebacker. One other thing I want to mention as far as players that stood out in any way was we finally saw Keyshawn Bieria make a play. And it was a single play on that fourth down attempt by the Rams where he ran that tight end out of bounds at the one who was trying to extend for the pylon. <clears throat> the Rams had gone for it on the uh, <clears throat> excuse me on the uh, three-yard line or two, whatever it was. And uh, the completion to the tight end, he's trying to make it to the corner, to the pylon, and, and Bieria just out-hustled him. You know, he wanted it more, and he's prevented him from, from crossing the, the plane, and the Broncos got the ball back again. And So it was good to finally see one positive mark for Keyshawn Bieria. He even got a little bit of a shout-out uh, from Vic Fangio after the game, but only because it was mentioned by the media. The media said, what did you think about the play Keyshawn Bieria had? Fangio said, quote, yeah, it was a good play. We were in man coverage. He covered his man well enough to stop him from getting two yards. I guess it was from the two-yard line, close quote. <laughs> so, you know, it's about as close to a compliment as you can get, <laughs> I guess, from Vic Fangio. That's <laughs> kind of some subtle straight there. And let me let me just add one point about the area, though, not yeah. to just counter what you said. Uh, on the play before that fourth down, Brandon Allen missed a wide-open running back on the goal line. I think it was uh, – um, John Allen, I, I don't know the, the running back's name. John Kelly, the, the Rams yeah, running back, Kelly he's from wide Tennessee. open. Yeah, and uh, he Bieria fell down. I believe it was Bieria on the goal line. So, I mean, he's still inconsistent, but that quote from Vic Fangio is an all-timer. He can cover two yards. That's good to know. <laughs> oh, man. Fangio's just got to be so, at this point, over the preseason. I mean, think about this. We are at a point where in most years we're, not, we're no longer talking about preseason. We are officially now with four preseason games under the belt focusing on final cutdowns on this conversation we're focusing on week one but we still got one more freaking preseason game to stomach and it's going to come against the arizona cardinals on thursday night we're probably Rams. not going to see any kyler murray so don't get your hopes up it's just going to be another snoozer Hey, we get to see Vance in action, though, or at least his defense try to stop the Broncos. I mean, they gave up a, a game-winning touchdown to Kyle Sloter against the Lions. If you saw the, the highlight chat no. uh, the other day, and in Vance's defense, they missed two tackles in the last play of the game. It was just uh, his defense coming up unclutch as usual. But it'll, it'd be nice, I guess, to go up against. Uh, finally wrap up this this preseason and their annual meeting against the Cardinals. But to see Vance again on the other sideline, that's going to be kind of surreal. One last thing. This has nothing to do with the game, but I wanted to get your take, <clears throat> excuse me, your take on this. Buzz came out Saturday morning. It's not been corroborated. The, <clears throat> the Dolphins via the Miami Herald have denied this, but Buzz came out that the Dolphins were putting their left tackle, Laramie Tunsil, on the trade block. And we'd heard buzz on our end that possibly the Broncos were interested in him because obviously they they could use an upgrade at left tackle. Uh, Juwan James is obviously familiar with playing 
with Laramie Tunsil. And then, of course, Chris Cooper, the new assistant line uh, coach, was an assistant O-line coach in Miami for the last two, three years before he came to Denver. So there are some dots there to be connected. It sounds like in a theoretical world, the Broncos would be interested in him. But the question would be cost, not just in terms of the capital it would take to get Tunsil in Denver, which sounds like a bare minimum would be a first and third, but also the salary cap ramifications. Because in 2019, he's going to cost somewhere around $4 million on the cap. And in 2020s, it, that goes up to like 10 and, and change, 10 million and change. The Broncos could get creative probably and find a way to fit him under the cap this year. But would you, if this turns out to, if this is true, if there's any, you know, if it's genuine that the Dolphins are at least testing the waters on what the market would look like for Tunsil, is this a no-brainer? Is is this something the Broncos should pursue with a vengeance, with gusto, or is it still too early to give up on Garrett Bowles? Well, I know Tunsil, you know, Mr. Gask Mask would love Denver, and I know Denver would probably love Tunsil. It's, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a no-brainer, Chad. It's just not feasible. You've invested in first and bowls a couple years ago. You just splurged on Jawan James. Uh, you kind of have to let your investments play out a little more before you start bringing in more players and, and hampering the salary cap. He would no doubt be a massive upgrade on, on Garrett Bowles, and he would no doubt solidify this offensive line. But you just can't do it right now, and nor I think the, the Dolphins will trade him. And if they do, uh, they're going to get kind of a ransom. And the Broncos just aren't in that position right now after their uh, their capital and their investments to make that the transaction right now. I would love it, but um, you know we're not playing Madden. And if we were, it'd be a no-brainer. But now it's just uh, – unfortunately, it's not feasible. Well, and there were conflicting reports from the Miami uh, Herald – and that is that the Dolphins are open for business in terms of, you know, their rebuilding. So the assets they have on the personnel level, I mean, they're basically at a make us an offer type of situation right now. Like they're openly uh, encouraging calls, you know, but with regard to the, sp- the specific situation of Tunsil, they remain adamant that at least on a public level, they are not shopping their franchise left tackle. And, you know, when he came into the league, there were questions, obviously, about, as you hinted out there, his, his issues with weed, possibly off-field stuff. But none of that has actually cropped up or come to any kind of fruition or hurt him at all at the next level. You know, he has arguably already established himself as a top-ten left tackle in this league. He's still extremely young. So if you're the Denver Broncos and, you know, you're basically go- going into this season with this is our last hurrah, <clears throat> hurrah with Garrett Bowles, and if he doesn't uh, hit it out of the park, we're going to go with an offensive tackle in round one next year, which is what we're hearing. Then you're going to plant, you're going to earmark that first round pick on a tackle anyway next year. Why not trade it to a team like the Miami Dolphins for a, a surefire guy who can step right in out of the gates and upgrade the position? Maybe you send bowls to them as part of the deal, free up cap to fit him under the cap this year. I don't know for sure, but for the privilege, not only are you giving up that first rounder. You're at least giving up a third as well, which, you know, the Broncos did get an extra third round pick this coming draft because of the the trade back from pick 10. So there's some options there. It's just a matter of how motivated and what the, the, the Dolphins are and what kind of market and demand is actually there in terms of how much their phones are ringing and what kind of other offers are out there. I mean, here's why it makes no sense for the Dolphins, though. Yeah, they're rebuilding. Yeah, they have a defensive-minded head coach. But you just traded for Josh Rosen. And even if he's not your franchise quarterback, you're probably going to draft one next year. And you have your franchise left tackle already in place. Why would you give up that asset? Why would you take that away? That's the second toughest position to find behind a franchise quarterback. And you potentially have both those already in place. So um, it's it's that time of year where these – 
these narratives get written and 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 trades look to be made like with same thing with Clowney and there's been no movement on that same thing with you know we've heard the holdouts all the rumors Melvin Gordon Ezekiel Elliott things are going to get resolved and ultimately um, I don't see Tunsil going anywhere and if he does he's not coming to Denver all right well that's going to do it for today's episode of the huddle up podcast the gut reaction for the uh, Rams game now listen our schedule is going to be a little bit different this week because the Broncos are playing on Thursday night. So here's how it's going to shake out. This, uh, this podcast, we're publishing it on Sunday for you guys, so you have something to, to listen to as close to the actual game we're reacting to as possible. But it's also going to count for Monday. So it'll have to tide you over till Zach and I return on Tuesday with a, a fresh podcast. You'll get the Scouts Eye Preview on Wednesday. Zach and I will have another podcast for you to wake up to Thursday morning, which will be game day. And then we'll have the VIP mailbag slash gut reaction in one episode for you on Friday. Roster cuts, the final cuts come the next day, which is Saturday. Building the Broncos, I'm sure, will have something cooking for you that day. But we're probably going to get together, Zach and I, Saturday evening to record a gut reaction to the final roster cuts. When that will publish, I'm not sure. It will either be Wednesday or Monday that following week. But just to give you kind of a heads up on how this coming week's programming is going to unfold on the Huddle Up podcast. And then also, we have a new podcast debuting with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. I forgot to tell you about this, Zach, that's coming out. They're calling it the Dove Valley Deep Divers that's going to complement what we're doing here with Huddle Up Podcast, Building the Broncos. You know, we've been podcasting and giving you six pods a a week for the last uh, eight months. And now you're going to get seven pods, basically. You're going to get one pod for every single day of the week, which no one else is doing. You know, you got some, we got some competition out there, Zach, in the daily podcast realm. Uh, but when, when you hear daily, what that means is, you know, five days a week if you're lucky, right? But you're going to get seven podcasts a week moving forward from us. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman. NFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. By the way, Zach, have you gotten any uh, p- people reaching out to you about this fantasy league we spitballed? I've gotten a lot, actually. More than I, I w- I've wanted of DMs and people reaching out. I only say that because we haven't really finalized how big the league's going to be yet. We're still working through logistics. But, yeah, a lot of Broncos fans, a lot of listeners, you know, to their credit, have, have come out and DM me about it. I will reach out to everyone once I – and once we figure out what everyone's doing. I want to have a bigger league, Chad, and we're still figuring out the draft type, whether it's an auction draft. But I've gotten everyone's request. I've got you down. Just let me work through it, and I will reach out to everybody. Okay. You heard it there, everybody. And uh, in the meantime, don't forget, if you haven't – left a review on Apple Podcasts, go take some time and get that done while it's still the month of August because we're giving away some swag. We're going to pull a name out of a hat, basically, for whoever left a review in the month of August to give away some Mile High Huddle slash Huddle Up Podcast swag on September 1st. So go get that done. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.